Welcome to the Coog Center Podcast, and here's your host. When one is making a first trip into the Palouse country, it might be easy to ask out loud, where is everybody? Especially if you come from an urban region, and out here in the rolling wheatland, it's different. The air's sweet, you can hear the bird song, and the natural process includes all four seasons with gusto. You find Washington State University on a collection of hills adjacent to the town of Polk. And in the eyes of an old alumnus, it is still a happy find for one who came from afar and who stayed long enough to have a life shaped. Michael Preston. We have got a football game to talk about. Finally, it feels like it has been forever, and really it's only been uh, three shows so far uh, this August, but we do finally have a football game to talk about at the end of the week. New Mexico State Aggies on their way to Pullman this weekend to take on the 23rd ranked Washington State Cougars in their opener. Volleyball coach Jen Greeny going to come up next. Jack Nixon, the play-by-play voice of the New Mexico State Aggies on the radio network they have, will also join us to talk about the Aggies. Then, as always, our Dunderhead of the Week and Ask Michael Anything. Now, if any of you know me even kind of or kind of know about this show, you know I tend to wax poetic and Jeff waxed poetic on the site with a great piece on Monday. If you haven't read it yet, you should about just kind of, you know, the cognitive dissonance of all of this, that we watch this sport and love this sport, which is breaking the bodies of young men everywhere. And you just saw a very recent example of a not-so-young man, Andrew Luck, walking away from millions and millions and millions of dollars and being willing to do so because of what the game was doing to him. And so I, I think we go into that season and I realize it at the beginning of every year and yet here I am absorbing as much of it as I can because I know my interest would be gone if these players were paid directly and all that Um, you know maybe not so much the change in terms of allowing them to be compensated for their likeness but I know that my interest would wane if it turned into a more professional sport and I'm willing to admit that and admit that I am imperfect in this way and that Rooting and being interested in this sport is difficult to square when you feel that way. And I know that. And that does not make me a better better person than any of you listening. It just, I think it's something we all need to be able to square with and to know that is going on and to square with ourselves and to acknowledge that, yes, this is bad. That doesn't mean you can't watch this game. You can't root for Washington State. You can't be absorbed into all the incredible moments. It's just something that I think all of us need to settle up with, as Jeff so eloquently put it in his piece. It's just something that you all need to know is going on. You can't look at this sport and think, this is not occurring. It's just not possible to think that way. And so as long as that's where we're at here, then we can continue to talk about this. And we will continue to talk about it. Because that's what this show is about, <laughs> it's to continue to talk about it. So I, I want to start off that off, you know, our first podcast of the season with that and acknowledging that, guys, we get to go to Pullman at the end of the week. How freaking cool is that? And Cougar Country should be back open by then? Even better. Look at us go, y'all. It's going to be like 90 degrees all weekend. The garage doors of a hall are going to be open. The Coug has a patio. It's just a glorious, glorious thing to think of. And it's a long weekend too. We all get Labor Day off. It's glorious. It is amazing. That this time of year again, even after that first two minutes, that this time of year is here again. And we have an honest-to-God football game to talk about now. And we have an honest-to-God quarterback to talk about now. Anthony Gordon, in a really weird and rare move, Mike Leach named a starter. Anthony Gordon will be the starting quarterback. And we talked about last week how it kind of seemed like we were leaning that way with Gordon getting more of the reps at practice and that in theory, if he's doing that this late into the 
practice season, so to speak, that he's probably going to be the guy. And as it turns out, he is. That did not stop Mike Leach when the depth chart came out, the depth chart, excuse me, came out on Monday from listing Anthony Gordon or Gage Gabrud or Trey Tinsley. <laughs> we saw that all last year with, with Gardner Minshew, even against Arizona. It was still Gardner Minshew or Anthony Gordon or Trey Tinsley or Cameron Cooper. Didn't matter. It just that is this is so you know. Whereas the what Mike Leach said over the weekend, where he named Anthony Gordon the starter, was very off-brand. This is very on-brand for Mike Leach. Very very what we thought. Uh, the receivers also what we thought. Tay Martin or Calvin Jackson or Roderick Fisher at X. The the depth at that that's I mean receiver again is insane this year. But just at X, the depth is nuts. At Y, Brandon Arcanado or Cassidy Woods or Jameer Calvin. We think we saw that coming because Jameer Calvin may not be fully healthy yet. The good news is he does have a red shirt available to him. My assumption would be uh, if he's not healthy by about the time the Utah game or the Arizona State game rolls around. I'm just trying to think of what came after the Utah game. It's not the Arizona State. No, it is the Arizona State game. Rolls around uh, that they would just use, just hold him out for the year and use the red shirt. Offensive line, exactly what we thought. Liam Ryan, Robert Valencia, Frederick Maui Goa, Josh Watson, Abraham Lucas left to right. Then Bernard Bell, Travell Harris at H, Aesop Winston, and Des Patman at Z. Max Borgie, and then Clay Markoff at running back or Dion McIntosh. Interesting. All right. Nambi Aguayo or Carson Block at Edge. Missiona Iolupoteape. I slaughtered that. Doesn't matter. Starting nose tackle, Will Rogers at tackle. Then Willie Taylor at rush. Jahad Woods at will. Justice Rogers or Dylan Sherman at Mike. Skyler Thomas, Pat Nunn at nickel. Patrick Nunn, boy, I can't wait to see him. Marcus Strong and Derek Langford at cornerback. And then Bryce Beekman and Chad Davis Jr. at free safety. Daniel Isom and Tyrese Ross at strong safety. And Armani Marsh and George Hicks at corner. So there you have it. Um, I, I, I don't really think any surprises. Honestly, the biggest one is that Clay Markoff's right behind Max Borgie. That might be my biggest surprise. Uh, Jameer Calvin, we all kind of saw coming. It looks like we have the secondary at least settled in terms of who's going to be starting back there. It would not surprise me in the least bit to see Chad Davis and Tyrese Ross getting some run at free safety and strong safety, respectively. Um, and the good news for Washington State is they they have, frankly, two games where they're going to be able to play around a little bit and try to work it out. Um, New Mexico State is not a very good football team. They are not returning hardly. They are not returning hardly any of their defensive production. Their offensive production is better, but still, offensively, they are not a very good football team. And defensively, they might be even worse. So, any kinks you want to get worked out against this team, you're going to be able to do it. And then Northern Colorado, again, we're talking about one of the worst teams in the FCS. And I don't know that it's a situation like Portland State a few years ago where they just jumped up and all of a sudden surprised everyone and made it to the FCS playoffs in addition to beating Washington State in that opener. This is definitely a case where if you're trying to work some things out on either side of the ball, this is a pretty ideal opening two games for it. Um, But I don't think really any surprises on that depth chart leading into the opener against New Mexico State. uh, Other than, again... Uh, at Y, but I think we all suspected Jameer Calvin would be down because of his injury, and then Clay Markoff actually would be the the one really huge surprise uh, given camp performance and anything else we've been reading, uh, being the number two guy at running back, but it does say or next to his name, uh, down to Dion McIntosh. So that will be an interesting one to watch, see who gets the first carries when Max Borgie's not on the field. Um, I would suspect Clay Markoff is going to get some run because of you know, the first two opponents that you play. So that would not surprise me in the least bit to see him a little bit more in these first two games. So take that under consideration. We might actually see him get some run and Jeff might have to like eat a shoe or something based on the comments he made in that one article with Clay Markov's relative or whoever was in the comments there. We're talking about comments on a podcast. I don't know what the heck's going on with my life. Um, 
I think you feel pretty confident looking at that offense that shook out about how we thought it would. And as we've talked about, the weapons you have on that side of the football, you're not really worried about anything. You're curious as to what you're going to get out of Anthony Gordon. The first two games may not be a true reflection of what you're going to get out of him just because of the quality of opponent you're going to be playing. But you're at least going to see what kind of relative command he has of this offense And if either of those teams can get any pressure on him, what he can do with that. Can he run the football? Can he escape pressure? And all that. Defensively is where I'm a little bit more curious. Again, you're not really facing an excellent offense on either team. And you're not going to face one until you play Houston in a few weeks. But has Marcus Strong improved? Will Armani Marsh Lock down that corner position. How does Daniel Isom look at strong safety? How does Bryce Beekman look at free safety? You're replacing three starters back there. Two to graduation, one to having to leave. So do Beekman and Isom step up? Can Ross get some playing time? Mike Linebacker looks interesting too. Do Justice Rogers or Dylan Sherman lock that position down or... Are they truly going to rotate? By the way, they're both listed at 6'2", 230. That's <laughs> just... I have a very hard time believing they're both the, an identical size. I have a very, very hard time believing that. Patrick Nunn did play a little bit last year. He gets his red shirt because uh, he played under the four-game limit. How will he play? How much rotation are you going to get at nose tackle? Behind, I owe Lupo Pay with Dallas Hobbs and Lamonte McDougal. McDougal had the year off, might need to catch up to game speed a little bit. But both he and Hobbs are redshirt sophomores, so we'll see how they perform. And then can, here's the, I, the biggest bugaboo for me on the line up front. Can Nambi Aguayo stay healthy? If he can actually stay healthy, if he can stay on the football field, this pass rush has a chance to be really, really special. Especially because you've still got Jahad Woods there to blitz and to just disrupt everything. Justice Rogers and Dylan Sherman are good at getting in the backfield. And you can bring the nickel. We've seen Skylar Thomas be excellent down near the line of scrimmage as well. So can that pass rush generate what we saw last year? They were sack machines last year. Even without Hercules Mata Afa, and we were all worried about that. So keeping your eye on the defense and seeing what they can do against competition that they really should be a lot better than that they really should dominate and take care of business. I, you know, I, 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 it's kind of a weird position being and being a Washington State fan, but saying you kind of expect the margin of victory over these two games to total about 60 points. And you might be a little disappointed if it doesn't. So can the defense do their part of the job and what kind of pass rush, pass Rush. Those are two hard words. Pass, rush, pass, rush, pass, rush. There we go. See, I can say it now. What kind of pass rush can you generate up front? And especially if Nambi Aguayo can stay healthy. Gosh, I hope he can stay healthy. Volleyball coach Jen Greeny coming up next. Jack Nixon, the play-by-play voice of New Mexico State football, coming up a little bit later as well here on the Coop Center Hour. Back here on the Coog Center Hour, it is time for our annual preseason visit with the head coach of the volleyball team at Washington State, Coach Jen Greeny. She's always kind enough to make some time for us on this show. Uh, coach, again, to the postseason last year, you got a, uh, a ranking in the NCAA tournament, the last ranked team, number 16, so you got to host some games. And then the honor of being ranked in the tournament meant you got to go play the number one overall team in the tournament, Stanford Uh, and lost in four sets to them. What do you guys take away from that trip to the postseason last year that you can kind of apply to this year? I know you did get a set from Stanford, but you obviously ran into the best darn team in the country, and it's hard to overcome that, especially when you're in Palo Alto. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I was pretty pleased with our overall results last year and our third straight trip um, to the NCAA tournament and, you know, advanced um, more... Uh, than we had the the last couple of years, uh, but you're right to run into the buzzsaw of Stanford. Um, 
you know, wasn't that fun. But um, I think just, you know, learning a lot from uh, being in the tournament, really, um, you know, what we need to do as a team to continue to get better um, from year to year. Uh, But at the same time, we graduated six seniors. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, those experienced players are gone and um, it's kind of time to not start over, but um, to really bring some new players along and, and try and get them to that level as quickly as we can. I want to talk about uh, that lack of kind of quote unquote roster experience in a little bit, but we, we talked about kind of before we started recording here, you're spending a lot of time on the road uh, to start the year. That is kind of normal for you guys, but especially uh, with that lack of experience, so to speak, how do you think that helps you or does it help to be away from the friendly confines of Bowler Gym so much to begin the year? Is it just kind of a, you got to learn to kind of play together, so to speak, while you guys are on the road? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's pretty typical for us to be on the road, you know, early in the season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, preseason tournaments. We are trying to kind of get out of the West Coast and get some, you know, better RPI teams. Um, but with that comes a tough travel and, mm-hmm. and it makes it makes it pretty tough um, on our young team. But yeah, I think we'll definitely, you know, be using some different lineups and trying to get a lot of people um, some experience as quickly as we can uh, using all these, you know, preseason tournaments um, mm. just for that before we can get into some Pac-12 play. And actually that kind of segues nicely into my next question because you were picked eighth in the preseason poll and, you know, at first glance it's kind of like you're looking at a team that made it to the Sweet 16 last year and how could they be picked eighth in the Pac-12 and then you look at the AVCA coaches poll and you're number 22 to start the season. The depth in this conference, we talk about this every single year, but it's a point that bears repeating, I think, how insane is the depth of this conference? Because you just look up and down, and there's just no such thing as an off weekend, especially when you have the number one team in the country again in Stanford and plenty of other teams ranked in the top 15, top 20. Yeah, for sure. Actually, it's it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying. That's a, no, 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 that's a very good admission, and it's honest, and I like that. It is it is very annoying that you can't just like, God, well, just take it easy this weekend. Nope, I got to be in the office till 9 o'clock at night game planning. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why, you know, we're in this conference and it's such a special place to be, but especially with a young team, um, you know, it, it is tough. And, you know, from top to bottom, you know, we talked about Stanford a little bit earlier. They pretty much have everybody back, you know, this year yeah. and, and they're picked to, to win the whole thing again. Um, so, you know, you're right. There's never an off weekend. You can't take any reps off. Um, you know, so that is also what makes it fun. Um, but at the same time, you know, a little bit stressful as far as so many newcomers mm-hmm. that haven't been through this and realize like, oh, yeah, what we're doing, you know, on a Tuesday in February, you know, matters just as much because you just can't take any time off. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, again, a lot of freshmen on this team, Richard freshmen as well. It means no more Taylor Mims and McKenna Woodford. I mean, Taylor Mims was just miss all everything for this team for so long. Is it easy? I mean, it's obviously not easy to replace that kind of experience and that kind of skill, but is there something you can do to kind of mitigate that? Or is it just kind of uh, you're using these early season tournaments to kind of figure out exactly how that's going to get done? Yeah, you, you certainly don't replace that easily at all. Um, you know, Taylor was such a phenomenal athlete that could play multiple positions, and, you know, she touched almost 11 feet. So, you know, mm-hmm. for our setters, you could pretty much just throw the ball up to her and expect her to do some really good things. Um, you know, so we've had to, to work hard, and everybody's going to have to step up their game, you know, just a little bit more, um, you know, and that's – not only from our returners, but from the, you know, from the freshmen as well, stepping mm-hmm. into that um, role, trying to replace her. We'll probably, you know, need to have more of a balanced offense, um, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, just really looking, like you said, those early preseason tournaments to see, you know, who can really step up. And I am certain, you know, that it won't be the same person every night that right. it's going to, you know, probably have to be multiple people trying to put those pieces together. I think the good news uh, for you is you have Ashley Brown. She was all Pac-12 honorable mention last year as a setter. And I know you and I have talked about before how that position is kind of like the quarterback 
of an offense in volleyball, having someone with that experience has to kind of put your mind at ease a little bit when it comes to breaking in new hitters, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, her experience is fabulous, and I thought she did a really nice job for us last year. So with her and then, um, you know, Jocelyn Urias, one of our middle blockers, is back as well, mm-hmm. and then Alexis Dorigi, our libero. So those are some really, really key uh, components to this team that um, are really the glue that are kind of keeping everything together right now. And, and we're just trying to put pieces around them um, that can make us successful and, you know, have a balanced attack and mm-hmm. and see where we can go in this preseason. You brought up uh, Alexis. It's her fourth year as a libero on this team. And I, I, you know, I at times forget exactly what a libero does. So can you kind of go over for folks like, what that position is because if I recall correctly and you're obviously going to correct me because I may be wrong here but it's a libero is just kind of a free substitution at any time you want and they're typically playing defense correct correct so yes nailed it yes (laughs) and so it you know people are like did she forget her jersey what's Mm -hmm. going on no you know they they have to be wearing another color so that they can track them but you're correct um it doesn't count as a substitution for us we only get 15 subs um in a game but but that libero change doesn't count and they can only play in the back row right so you're right typically just playing defense and um they are allowed to serve which in the international game they actually aren't allowed to serve so that's something different that we have here in the u.s um but a really important position and you know lex does a fabulous job of kind of running um our defense in the backcourt and um you know i think the little people will say, um, you know, don't get as much credit sometimes <laughs> as, you know, our front line or the yeah. setters. But, you know, she's somebody um, that's really a key piece of our defense. Yeah, it's definitely an underappreciated position. Like you said, I mean, you know, it's it's you don't notice it as much, but you really notice it uh, when someone's not there. We'll get to that big overarching point now that we've mentioned a few times. Just four upperclassmen on this roster, Coach. And how do you know, is that good and bad in some ways I mean you know you don't have a lot of experience but it's a lot of players who are there to mold a lot are red shirt freshmen so they've had a year in this system already are you excited kind of pensive about it where where how are you guys feeling about this roster right now yeah you know first of all we you really as a coach never really want this many freshmen in a class but you know when we took over the program in 2011 you know, that's just kind of what was going on and and we needed to make some changes. And, um, you know, once you have that many freshmen in a class, it kind of obviously, you know, cycles through every four years. Um, And so, you know, so many freshmen, I I don't think it's a great thing, but, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it probably when they're juniors and seniors. Um, You know, it was kind of the same thing with the the senior class last year that we had six seniors and, um, you know, they had a lot of experience because they, a lot of them played as freshmen and just kept getting better every single year. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not ideal, but at the same time, I think our talent level is, um, you know, definitely up from where it was maybe four years ago. You know, those freshmen coming in, we also have three Europeans that bring, you know, just a different level of experience and, um, you know, kind of international ball Mm -hmm. to the gym, which has been really fun to see as well. So, so we'll get those freshmen going and, um, you know, it just might be a little, um, inconsistent, I'll say at the beginning, but you know, that, that happens with everybody, no matter what their age is sometimes. Yep. Yep. It's been multiple years in a row now going to the postseason, including last year. Like I said, when you guys hosted some NCAA tournament games, you were selected high enough uh, and uh, bracketed high enough, given a ranking, uh, the number 16 overall team in the tournament. So you got to host uh, and you got to the Sweet 16. And again, as we mentioned, loss to Stanford. Is it kind of fair to say that, you know, from that the expectations for this program have kind of been raised, that that's, that's just kind of what you guys are expecting on a year-to-year basis from your squad or is it still kind of taking it on a year by year basis? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, last year with so many people coming back, um, that was definitely a goal to, um, you know, be seated and be able to host. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was huge for us and um, really fun to be back hosting the NCAA tournament here in Pullman and at Bowler gym. So, you know, that was definitely one of our, our goals that we had set. Um, You know, I think just, overall as a whole um you know 
like you mentioned before, the Pac-12 conference is so incredibly tough that even, you know, picked eighth, ninth, we've even had 10 teams from the conference go to the NCAA tournament before. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's definitely a standard to get back to the NCAA tournament that we have every single year now. Um, And that was our goal when we came back here as coaches is to get the program back on a national map and, you know, get it back where it's a consistent type of um, tournament team every single year. This is your ninth year coaching at your alma mater, your ninth season. Uh, If there's one thing Jen Greeny now could tell Jen Greeny in 2011 before her first season, what would it be? Just, you know, something that you wish that you knew back then that you know now about how you guys got here, the program. Is there any one thing you wish you could go back and tell your past self? Oh, man, that's a good question. I end, um, with, I end with the good ones now, not just like jokes about your favorite ice cream. See, it's, it's actually like yeah. honest-to-God, I mean, like thoughtful questions. Yeah, I mean, really, though, I should have probably invested in eye cream and hair dye <laughs> in 2011. Um, but really, I mean, it, it took a while, um, you know, for us to just get the culture um, right. And, um, you know, really to get recruiting where we wanted it and things like that. So if I was going to go back and, and tell myself something then, um, that would, it would probably just be, you know, stick with it and that it will be okay. You know, a lot of times now I think we want more instant gratification, instant success. And especially in this conference, it just doesn't come. Right. Um, you know, so a few of those, you know, first years while we were trying to get our own recruits and trying to build the culture, man, you know, it, it was tough, but um, has definitely been worth it. And we're so excited just to still be here at Washington State. And I really think the athletic department as a whole is really going the right way. Get your full fix of uh, all Cougar sports this coming weekend. You know, the home opening football game, but volleyball is in Virginia. If you want to wake up at 7 a.m. on Saturday and watch them play <laughs> Iowa, you can do that. And then in Portland the next weekend, then home for the Cougar Challenge on Friday, September 13th. Coach Jen Greeny, thanks again. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Back here on the Coug Center Hour, we now have the pleasure of being joined by Jack Nixon, the play-by-play voice of the New Mexico State Aggies on their radio network. And a man very familiar with uh, the Palouse, Jack. You guys used to come up here on a pretty frequent basis to see the uh, Idaho Vandals. This is the first time you've uh, played Washington State, but... It's at least a part of the country you know uh, very well how in the middle of nowhere it is. Well, uh, yes, uh, I know, we're, know a lot about it. Uh, the Yankees played uh, Idaho in the uh, Big West and then in the Sun Belt in kind of a uh, hodgepodge configuration and then uh, in the WAC mm-hmm. and uh, then again when both schools are independent. So, yeah, I guess that's four different flags that the Yankees have been to uh, um, uh, Moscow and the Kibbe Dome. Um, I, but I have been up to uh, Pullman. Uh, uh, one of our uh, uh, fellow who was our athletic trainer, a guy named Michael Leary, is a, a Cougar alum. And mm-hmm. uh, on one of the trips, he took us up there to, to go to Cougar country. So uh, we did that, and we kind of looked around the town. That's been a few years. And I understand Cougar country has now been remodeled. Yes, so they, it, it, uh, it closed uh, very suddenly this past spring and then got bought up and will hopefully be open by the time you guys are up there. The, the new owners have promised they'll be open uh, for the opener, so everybody's got their fingers very, very crossed wow. that that's going to be the case because uh, I'm in desperate need of a super basket there. Um, wow. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, New Mexico State football. They actually went to their first bowl game in 57 years in 2017, beat Utah State in the Arizona Bowl. I, I remember seeing some of the video from that and how incredible the reaction was from Aggies fans. Can you describe that moment for us? Because I, you know, I think Wazoo football is kind of a kindred spirit in that success has not always come easy uh, to them. So what, what was that moment like being in that game for, for you and the fans? Well, you know, to be honest, uh, it was like uh, an amazing dream come true. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this That was my uh, 38th year uh, doing the games, wow. uh, that bowl year. And, you know, there, there were years where we didn't, two or three years where we didn't win a game, and then two or three other years won, you know, one, one game or two games. And so it, it, for a long time, there was, going to a bowl game was kind of something that you just kind of kidded yourself about. Yeah. You know, if you were being honest with yourself. But then uh, it all fell together. Uh, Coach Martin uh, uh, got real leadership out of that team uh, from the senior 
made a big, big difference. And, you know, it, it's, I, I think uh, the reason why, perhaps why the Aggies have never been able to get over the hump. Well, let's see, the Aggies, have been, that's the fourth winning season I've called since I've been down here. Four out of and, 30, and it, four out of four, this will be your 40th year, so four out of 40. Yeah, so four out of 40, wow. yeah. Well, maybe five, let's hope for five. Today. <laughs> Why not be positive? Yeah. Um, but I think, and I guess the, the point I wanted to make was that um, in the past, uh, teams that probably had talent, uh, or as much talent, that didn't have senior leadership and uh, consequently didn't really uh, succeed. And the, the, bowl, the bowl team had that. And they had, you know, of course, great obviously they had great chemistry to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, a nice winning streak at the end. And then, you know, the, the game was wild. There, there were uh, kickoff returns, back-to-back kickoff returns for touchdowns. Uh, you know, the Aggies win in overtime. Uh, their, their, their senior uh, star running back scores the touchdown. And so it was like, it was, and the Aggies sold the most, I, I'm guessing it still stands two years or a year later. Uh, the most tickets, uh, you know, for anyone for that game, there were like 22,000 people uh, from Las Cruces or NMSU related at wow. that game. So the bowl people were very happy about that. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, like, uh, and, and so that was that was nice too. I mean, that, that, it's nice to go to your first game in you know 57 years and, and uh, show the people that uh, you know that you can bring a nice crowd. And so that I think that you know we're hoping that helps in the future. We you know we like to think that we'll be back there in any bowl at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so that's kind of. But, but that was uh, driving over. Honestly, driving over. Uh, the game was in Tucson. I'm, I'm driving over the game and. Yeah, I'm excited for the game, but I'm just totally serene in my thoughts. I'm just com- complete peace, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm driving to our bowl game. Yeah, our bowl game. Yeah, and you know I'm just kind of into that. I think man, this is great, and hope we win. But either way, this has been been you know incredible. So then I'm getting closer to the stadium, and I see all some people. Well, Daggy's uh, NMSU's colors are very similar to Washington State's. Uh, crimson is what we call our, our colors, but mm-hmm. I think they're very similar. And Utah State, the team we played, is blue, so there's no confusing you know, fan bases. Right. So I see some Aggie fans of them getting within a few blocks, and it's just as they get closer, there's more and more and more until we're just kind of overtaking the, the stadium uh, at the end. But my dogs are very excited that I'm on your show with them. <laughs> let me, let, let me close the door here to, to calm them down. Uh, <laughs> They're just sorry. so they're, they're very excitable. Hey, no, no, that's right. We're on in Seattle. That's it. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. We, uh, we, um, uh, so anyway, so so it was just a, a sea of Aggie uh, people up there. Uh, I'm walking up to the stadium. Everyone's excited. I happened to be there right when the team came in. You know, they just like they were fo- obviously they were focused, but they played awfully well. Utah State was a great <laughs> opponent, and you know the irony uh, for for people who maybe aren't. Completely uh, up to date on Aggie football history. The last team they played and beat in a bowl game was Utah State. That was in 1960. Right. So kind of a, a nice full circle there for you. Um, yeah. Yeah, we felt so. Yeah. So I know the team goes three nine last year. As we go through Independence, I believe that was the first year last year as an independent. Um, what are the expectations for 2019? You think um, for this football team? I know they have Liberty on the schedule twice. Uh, they actually played them in Las Cruces and then in North Carolina. What what do you think the expectations for this team are kind of surrounding uh, Aggie fans and just and anybody who's big into MN, NMSU football? Well, I think that uh, the, the, the feeling is that if we can get through the first month, you know, without uh, – we're still within and have our sea legs. Uh, in that first month, we play, uh, you know, at Washington State, mm-hmm. Alabama. We have San Diego State at home, and they're very good. And then we go to UNM, who I think is probably – Treading in the same depth of water we are, let's right. say, in terms of the development of their program, uh, and and so I mean, if we if we're still you know kind of a stand after that, uh, I won't say the the schedule gets easy, but it certainly gets easier. Liberty's in there twice. We play Incarnate Word at home. They're a, an FCS school. UTEP comes up to Las Cruces. The, the Aggies have beaten them twice in a row, and you know uh, I think are you know they're they're also a good match for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then I if you want to be optimistic. Which Aggie fans love to be because you know that's the only way we can be really. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we we go to Central Michigan, and they they aren't you know they they have a, a good a solid program, but they're not. Uh, they're they're trying to build their program too. It appears, and uh, so but that is a road game. So if you figure 
Aggies get a few breaks, things go their way. No one, Syracuse gets too, too, lost for too much time. Maybe four or five wins, which frankly to us looks looks great. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of schools, four or five wins, you think, oh my God, this, you know, we, we, what, what's what's gone wrong? It just looks like up to us. So uh, I think four wins would be is you know within our grasp. We have Liberty again, and Liberty at the end. If you want to, you know, kind of uh, hope for a sweep there, you, mm-hmm. that might be five. But uh, that, that's very frankly, that's very optimistic and. You know, the Aggies have a very rugged schedule early on. Hopefully it won't you know, cost them physically as we get into October. Right. I want to get into the team uh, itself here in a second, but this is uh, New Mexico State's second year as an independent. What's the future going forward um, for them that you see? Do you see them rejoining a conference, or, or are they going to have to kind of figure out independence as they go if they want to stay at the FBS level? Because, I mean, it certainly seems like they've been – I think they have 2020 filled out already, and they have some other games on their schedule um, going forward as well. But is this a sustainable model for them to stay at the FBS and remain an independent? Um, well, I think that they've got uh, a lot of stuff in place up through uh, 22. Yeah. Um, uh, is my understanding. Uh, my understanding is the tough part is, is – Kind of uh, lining up, you got to have five home games, and, and if you get one with UTEP or UNM, and then an FCS. But anyway, if you can get that, then you you can always find someone that that, that, that will take you in as a road opponent. I, I'm told. Uh, I think we're okay. Like through 22 is my understanding in terms of all, for all intents and purposes. I, I know that uh, you know the school and the athletic department would would like to be you know in a conference back for football, um, but we we have to show. That we're, we're worth having, you know, frankly. Yeah. Um, uh, and I guess there, 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 it's, it's possible there could be some fluke realignment, and, and uh, I suppose, and the Aggies would be taken in just on geographical basis, which I'm not trying to downplay NMSU, but I mean, you know, honestly, look at the record, and we, we haven't, we don't have a record that's going to impress anyone consistently. The bowl record was great. That's like, you know, that, that, that's. Well, that, that, that's one, and it's, it's a very rare one, yeah. unfortunately. So if we can be consistent and, and, and show we're, you know, we're, we can win four and five every, you know, every year, maybe maybe break even you know, every fourth year or something, if we, could, if we could possibly get to that point, then I think that uh, conference people might say, well, okay, because our other sports are, 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 I think, very desirable. We have great facilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not since you asked about conference, but our basketball facility is great. Uh, we have, you know, a baseball park and softball and a great golf course and a, you know, a, a, a nice tennis center. So I think we would, we would fit in well, um, you know, in terms of facilities and so forth with, with a, uh, you know, a major Western league like the Big Western or Conference USA. But we have to show that football is, is worth having. And, right. you know, if, if, uh, if, if we're, we're trying to get to that, and, and I think Coach Barton, because they've got to, well, we're going to get to that in a second, I guess. But they really have been able to identify talent, and that's that's a big a big key. Yeah, yeah. In fact, let's talk about that talent. Uh, we'll start at quarterback. I know that's the most important position for Washington State, so I like to start there um, a lot for other teams. Josh Atkins and Matt Romero both back at quarterback. They both played last year. Atkins played more. Who gets the nod uh, to start against Washington State? And is it is it uh, up in the air as to who will play throughout the season, or, or is there one person who's going to have the job? Oh, it's Josh Atkins' job. Um, mm-hmm. Coach Martin said that to uh, that last year, actually, for the most part. He really likes uh, Atkins took over, I want to say, in the third game or fourth game. I don't remember exactly. I think it must have been the third game. Or, you know, came in and pretty much took over from there and had a few good games and then kind of tailed off. But, you know, he was a freshman. I know Coach is expecting big, you know, big improvement freshman to sophomore year. He's a very smart kid. He, Martin really, uh, the quarterback we had when we went to the bowl game was calling him Tyler Rogers, and you know he and Martin really melded. Martin's quarterback coach and the offensive. Co- well, no, he's not the quarterback coach, but he's, he's offensive coordinator. And anyway, but he really likes Atkins. Atkins is I don't know about six two and solid. I don't know two ten, two fifteen, something like here, mm-hmm. something around there. He's a, you know, he, he he can move around. He's got a great arm. He's he's really smart. And the team really, I think, seems to you know respond to him. Uh, we've got a bunch of receivers, uh, like uh, kind of like Washington State, I guess. In fact, the offensive philosophies I think are very, very similar. But the Aggies have, you know, I don't know, neither. You know, they have like four different pods of you know X's and Y's and H's and so forth. Mm-hmm. I think there's like Aggies too. I think like they have at least two deep in each one of those, and in some cases others. The guys that can 
a response. They really have a lot of receivers, but Adkins will be the quarterback all year. Uh, you know, it, it would be his to lose, and no one really expects him to lose it. Right. Uh, Matt started the first two games, and we just never really moved the ball for whatever reason. Uh, but but we just didn't, and uh, Coach made the change, and Adkins uh, took over and has uh, claimed it. Let's talk about that offensive philosophy a little bit. You mentioned it, and uh, both leading rushers from last season are back, Christian Gibson and Jason Huntley. You do get uh, a lot of good receiving production back as well. Huntley caught a lot of passes himself out of the backfield. That's something Washington State fans um, are also very familiar with. Our running backs catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. It's kind of an expectation that you're a good pass catcher if you're going to come to Washington State as a running back. What is their offensive philosophy? I think you mentioned it's it's a little bit more pass-centric, or are they happy handing the ball off a lot, too? I know Gibson looks like he averaged about six yards a touch last year for New Mexico State. It, it, it's the same as Washington State. It, yeah. It's the air raid offense. Um, Jason Huntley is... Uh, Christian Gibson, is, he's not a fullback type, but he's more of a straight-ahead type runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was very effective against you know some schools that just wouldn't have frankly good rushing defenses, frankly. But, you know, the Aggies were able to take advantage of that. But the Aggies are, are primarily a passing team. Jason Dunley is a very explosive player. He, he's had, you know, I think five uh, kickoff returns for touchdowns. He, he's, he's explosive from the line of scrimmage. And, as you said, he, he mentioned he, he catches a lot of passes. He's probably the Aggies' most... Uh, uh, you know, exciting player or explosive player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gibson is is uh, is a good runner, but he's and, and he has some speed, but he's not a breakaway threat like uh, like Jason Huntley is. Uh, the Yankees also have a freshman named Navion Mitchell who will play. Uh, he he, he uh, uh, in the game as well. Navion was you know the, the rule last year where you could have uh, freshmen play four games and it, it wouldn't hurt their redshirt. Right. Navion played I don't know two or three. Yeah, so they got a taste of uh, you know what it was like to play in, in the game last year. So I think he will probably play as well, although you know he, he would be, a, I guess, a redshirt freshman coming in. Yep. Let's talk about uh, the defense for New Mexico State. Lost a lot of production in terms of tackles. Didn't have an excellent season last year. What is their biggest strength in terms of stopping opposing offenses? Is it their passing defense or is it their rushing defense? Because I know... A lot of teams that have trouble with Washington State obviously have trouble with the pass defense, but you can't sleep on the running backs either. Well, uh, Coach Martin feels that uh, we have the best uh, front four that we've ever had here. Uh, the, the best player on the front the field uh, is uh, Roy Lopez. He's a tackle from Scottsdale. Uh, he was, you know, played uh, football in high school as a wrestler in high school, so he's, he understands balance and, you know, of course, he's really strong. But, you know, he, he's probably the best, uh, the down, uh, down lineman, Miles Vine, plays next to him. He, he'll be a junior. Uh, and so uh, those two are probably you know, the best uh, tackle pair that we've had. Outside Cedric Wilcox is a senior. He's a good rush in. And, you know, uh, I say that we, we, he, they've had really good games. Obviously, you know, they're, they're more effective against you know, playing a power five school. You know, the Yankees have held their own. But, you know, where the difference comes in usually is in the depth. The Aggies have to sub. Their depth is going to be quite as strong. But anyway, uh, Wilcox is, is a very good pass rusher. He's a senior. Mm-hmm. And the other side, uh, they're kind of looking at uh, a variety of people, but uh, they haven't really settled on the other starter on that. But Coach Martin is very, very happy with that. Uh, and he thinks that's probably the strongest part. They have a, a returning senior at linebacker, Javon Ferguson. And then uh, there's a, a junior college transfer uh, and John, another, a senior named Jonathan Hood. Rashi Hodge, the junior college transfer. Jonathan Zoder and buying for one linebacker spot. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, the other linebacker spot, I'm hitting on dead Seltzer. I think it's going to be probably a, a sophomore out of Albuquerque, a young man from, from Albuquerque. Yeah. Let's take a look uh, at the game coming up on Saturday. It's the opener for both teams. I know New Mexico State played a Week 0 game last year. They did not this year. Uh, how do you see things going uh, for them when they roll up on the Palouse? Uh, it is, as we mentioned earlier, it's a very familiar place uh, in terms of location for a lot of these players and coaches, but how do you see Saturday's game going? I think the Aggies will be excited to play against the Power 5 team. They always are. You know, they're competitive. You know, NMSU's offensive line has got to really be consistent. This is where I think that the, the Aggies will have a problem, uh, let's say, keeping pace with Washington State. You know, I expect Washington State will have you know, a tremendous offense once again, and I think the Aggies' defense can you know, probably hold their own for, you know, for maybe not every every series, but I think they'll they'll show up and 
and probably make Washington State earn it mm-hmm. when they can. But I think if the Yankees' offensive line uh, can, can hold off Washington State, the Yankees, this is going to be an obvious thing, but that, that's an area that hasn't really uh, – the Yankees have been missing a starter with an injury, so a, a different young man has been starting in that position, and uh, he's, he's, you know, uh, learning the position So and, and will be a starter for the first time, it looks like. So uh, that's the thing that I, I'm curious about. If they could, uh, the Yankees' offensive line could match the physicality of Washington State, I think that's that's the big key for NMSU to keep this game interesting. Jack Nixon's been calling New Mexico State football games for four decades now, and we appreciate his experience. His dogs, frankly, interview him better than I do. Uh, so, Jack, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. You know, it is National Dog Day as we record this, so I'm happy to... That's a good point. You know, I, I, you know what? They should, they should have made noise then. That's a great point. Thank you, sir. Dunder, head of the week time. This is easy. This is too freaking easy. Doug Gottlieb on Twitter, following Andrew Luck's retirement. And I quote, and I know it's Twitter... Shouldn't be on it. Whatever. Don't care. Quote, retiring because rehabbing is too hard is the most millennial thing ever. Hashtag Andrew Luck. Okay, Doug. (laughs) Like, just... Good God. The man's body was literally broken. I can't even count how many injuries the dude had. And he walked away from untold millions of dollars. Millennial thing, though. 31,000 replies to that tweet, by the way. The ratio looks like Alex Rodriguez's pre-All-Star break uh, triple slash. Or not triple slash, but it's like is a batting average home runs and RBIs. That's what it looks exactly right like. That I just besides the fact that I hate people that talk about millennials like that, like you know we didn't you know graduate from college into an absolute bloodbath of an economy, and our parents drained the American economy for every penny that it was worth. So we get very briefly political, and that's it. Dude, are you kidding me? The man's body is literally a shell of what it was. Whew. That is a take that you can have. It's an opinion that you are that you are able to have. It's not a very good one, but it is one. Ask me anything. Most millennials. Only if you have some avocado toast. <laughs> what a rude person. <laughs> Just a genuinely horrible thing. Oh, boy. Oh, great questions this week from at Kyle Rancourt. Kyle Rancourt. Uh, I tweeted about this last week, but if you had to pick an all-time Coog under leech offense, who would be on it? Uh, quarterback, honestly, would be Connor Halliday in 2014. I loved Gardner Minshew last year, but Connor Halliday was so friggin' fearless, it wasn't even funny. Uh, James Williams, and I would pick Jamal Morrow at running back. Uh, and then at wide receiver, Gabe Marks, River Craycraft, and, I mean, <laughs> we could be contrarian to say Marquise Wilson. Uh, but I will go with Desmond Patman, because he's my guy, Des Patman. At Totes McStos, Eric Stos. Following their week zero performance, how much do you wish we had Arizona on the schedule this season? Hawaii turned the ball over six times and they won the game and scored 45 points. How? How does that happen? Oh, right, when they basically score on every other possession. That's how that happens. At, 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 at Chris McKintroff. Chris McKinter, sorry. Will we ever be able to buy beer in Martin Stadium? I mean, you can in the suites right now and in the club section, whether you can buy it in the rest of the stadium is yet to be seen. I don't think Wazoo wants to be the first to take the leap on that. And I think it's kind of a game of chicken between them, UW, Eastern. Like, who's going to do it first? One of us is going to do it first. Somebody, ah, no, you? No, uh, no, not you. It's definitely got to be one of them. Because I think... It's all a test with the liquor and cannabis board. Like, 
Who's gonna be the litmus test? And does Wazoo really wanna, you know, give in to the stereotype on that one? I don't know. At the last Zoom, Max Corgi, still the best name ever. Better game plan, Noel Mazone or Leroy Jenkins? Le that Leroy Jenkins, that got famous on like E-Bombs World, didn't it? That's how old it is. That is how old it is. Leroy Jenkins. At Philip Maz, Philip Mazurik, Cougs open as 32-point favorites over New Mexico State. Too low or way too low? It is too low. Um, Washington State, hard-pressed to beat someone by that many points. They, I think they only beat one opponent by that much. Uh, no, they did beat uh, New, uh, Eastern Washington by more than that last year. Um, it's too low. Uh, I was surprised it didn't come in at about 40. Um, and I do think we cover this weekend. At WSU Brady 27, 7, go Cougs. What conspiracy or secret society would you like to start and why? Ooh. Can I, like, like, some kind of secret society, like, surrounding, like, alums who don't make a ton of money, but, like, like meet secretly in Pullman before every game weekend for, like, ritualistic drinking and things like that? Because, like, the conspiracy... I, I believe in, like, one conspiracy, and that it's that Courtney Cox killed Kurt Cobain. Like, I, I don't think it's that nuts, and it might be, but, like, something like that. I'm very uncreative when it comes to that kind of thing, because I'm just, like, so straight arrow on this kind of stuff it just uh, yeah it's odd at nvr 93 hashtag hoopish how many wins do you think the cougs get if you pair leech's offense with peak doba's defense honestly about the same i don't think the problem really has been the defense in a lot of games it's been the offense they're just inability to score you think about colorado uh two years ago washington literally every year cal a few years ago it, it it's not I mean, like, yeah, Cal scored 37 points, but you should be able to score a lot. I don't think it's really the defense's problem in a lot of these cases. Uh, at 5 Grizz, 509 Grizz, favorite WSU QB from the Mike Leach era, Connor Halliday. The dude was just, and, you know, just like the antithesis of effort go deep. Our own Zane Murphy at Zane underscore RM. Pac-12 game, you're most confident in winning and least confident outside of the Apple Cup because, duh. Uh... Craig and Jeff went over this in another great episode of Podcast Versus Everyone. I'm most confident. Uh, ooh, which one am I most confident in? I will go with Colorado because that OSU game the weekend before uh, the Apple Cup scares me because all the kids will be out of school. And then the one I'm least confident in is Oregon. Definitely Oregon. That is a good, good football team uh, down in Eugene. Washington State... 62, New Mexico State, 21, Cougs cover in this opener. Brief announcement, no show next week. We will be in Sun River enjoying our time there because if we recorded a show, our wife would rightly divorce us. Me. I don't know why I said hour there. So no show next week. We will be back the week of the Houston game with another edition of the Cougs Center Hour.